podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Across the Pond Sports Podcast, part of Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to drop us a rating and review after the episode. Check us out on social media and on our website at atpsports.net. We have Ryan Doherty, co-host of Across the Pond Sports Podcast with us, and we are going to be talking basketball. NBA season is moving along it is that part of the season after the all-star weekend where you know it's a bit humdrum and you start to wonder is the season too long is 82 games well it's not even 82 games this year but is a normal season too long because you get to this time of season you know teams are kind of starting to jostle for position for lottery picks it has been made a bit more interesting though this year Ryan with um, the play-in games but it's still you know it's still that time after the All-Star game where it just seems to be like nobody likes it and players get injured and, you know, we're seeing a lot of players getting rested as they kind of gear up for the playoffs. Um, is this a good time of year for the NBA or is this, or should they maybe start looking at lowering the number of games they play? Well, I thought after um, the trade deadline, All-Star weekend, etc., there was going to be a bit longer of a layoff. Um, it seemed like, to me anyway, um, as soon as all those trades and buyouts, et cetera, happened, there should be a couple of days break because teams were going into games going, how many players do we still have? Uh, are we getting that guy or not getting that guy? You had Norman Pearl lining up on the wrong side of the court because he thought he was still with the Raptors. And he was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I don't play with you guys anymore. Sorry, sorry. I'll go over my other side just now. So, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Like, this this whole kind of time of year, every single year, it just seems to be the kind of in-between time of, You've just rested a little bit for All-Star break and then you're kind of revving back up. This is just flat. Yeah, it's been flat. And, and as you mentioned, um, Norman Powell's stepping on the wrong side. The Orlando Magic had eight, eight eligible players um, to play a game the other night. And I was like, and it was right after the trade deadline. You're kind of like, well, didn't anyone think to maybe, you know, trade for some actual players. Uh, instead of, lottery picks can't play in games until they're actually drafted. So um, it, it was a strange those, one for the Orlando Magic. Those those lottery picks could be doing better than the players who are put on the court, though. Like Some of those players are pretty abysmal, the ones that are actually fielding as starters. When I mean, you've got the likes of um, your man, uh, Dwayne Bacon, chucking up shots every... Seconds of the day. How is he, my man? When have I ever liked Dwayne Bacon? Well, I'm pretty sure, other, like, oh, he's, he's, he's fact, not, not, not too bad as a sure. He's not sure. He's definitely not. Other than the fact that I like Bacon, I'm not <laughs> a big fan of Dwayne Bacon. Like, yeah, Bacon, maple syrup, that'll do me, but like, no, not Dwayne Bacon. Um, it has been tough. And like, teams like Orlando that are clearly just blown everything up and gone for like ultra rebuild um it is it is kind of tough but when you do look at some of the some of the players that they're putting out um and and the, the players that they're missing like Aaron Gordon Vucevic Fournier like those were big big pieces and um I, I the, the first one that shocked me I, I've thought for years that Aaron Gordon would move like I didn't see him finishing his career there but see Vucevic, I I did that. I kind of thought he would see out his career there. I thought he was kind of, and obviously he's been traded. It's not as if he's asked to move. Um, no, he I, he I, he he came out and said he wanted to stay. He wanted to be yeah. you know the franchise centerpiece for for many many years to come. Um, and it, it seemed to me like they were just like, well, if we're trading two of these guys, might as well just get rid of all of them. I know it was it was just a weird one, and like I just I don't know I didn't get it. Uh, uh, especially because I think the NBA has a an issue just now where I like the player empowerment, but at the same time, I think the player empowerment does have some negative to it as well. Like, I remember, now I'm going back because I'm old, but I'm going back to the 90s where you had players that played on the same team their entire careers. And they had decent careers. Some, some won championships, some didn't, but like these players were loyal to those fan bases. Those fan bases were loyal to those players and in turn to the team. Um, and nowadays you just don't see it. And player empowerment, I think, has a lot to do with that. Um, and and your boy, who is your boy, LeBron, it is a big factor in that because he has become 
his own GM. I mean, he has become the GM of the league. Um, him and Maverick Carter, the way that they they moved players into Cleveland, gave them all big contracts and everything else. Um, and then, then he left um, for LA. And I was just kind of like, I, I like... I like LeBron as a person. I, I like him as a player. I think he's a, he's one of the best. But sometimes, like his his business acumen, I think outdoes him sometimes. I mean, what did he what did he go home for? He went home to bring a championship. Did he bring a championship? Mission accomplished. Yeah, he yeah. Left but, again. but what would you rather have? Would you rather have um, four more years of Kyrie Irving? struggling to make it into the 10th seed or would you rather have a championship? Oh no, every team in the world would take a, a championship uh, above all. Um, and I think, you know, I, I was actually shocked he went to, to LA because I thought the way he did the whole Miami thing, there was the whole decision. don't know if anyone's seen the, the 30 for 30 uh, documentary on ESPN, but that's quite an eye opener because I didn't realize that there was so much that went into that. And that's where the player empowerment came in because he ran the network. He told ESPN how long that this was going to last. He picked the interviewer. He picked this, that and everything else. Um, And then he's like, yeah, I'm going to take my talents to South beach. And just that whole kind of way that he did that was all empowerment to LeBron and obviously it gave power to players because players were like, hey, what well, I can choose where I want to play. Wow, that's a great, that's a great idea. Why, why haven't I done this before? And it's great and it's good that players do get to choose. But for Vucevic, just going back to him, I'm like, the guy wanted to stay. And sometimes I think, especially when it's a good player, I mean, if it's a bench ender or whatever, then yeah, you're probably not going to keep him around as much as he says he wants to stay. But Vucevic has good years left in him. And it's Chicago that are going to benefit from that rather than Orlando. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's I think it's probably definitely the right move for Vooch because I think the way that the Magic were shaping up, they're as I said previously, they're two or three years away from at least you know doing something in the playoffs, let alone making a run at a championship. And if he's going to stay around in Orlando with guys, obviously not of his skill set. And waiting for the Marco Fultz, the um, the Coles, etc., to come through the ranks, and the Mobambas, you know, trying to fill the gaps and stuff like that. It's it's not going to work. So going to Chicago is is definitely a good a good move for Vooch. And I think it's it it shows that it's not always just up to the players. And it it's good. I think it's better these days where it's a bit more um a bit more even teams can choose who they want and players can choose whether or not they stay there. I mean, look at the whole uh, Victor Oladipo thing. He refused that mega extension from Houston and Houston then got, what, Kelly Olenek and some crap picks for James Harden. Yeah, but the way Houston Rockets are are run now with this new owner, um, he, he just doesn't seem to... I don't think he has a grasp on how the NBA works. Um, he, the, the old owner, and obviously they had um, Darren Morey as the, the GM at the time, um, they they worked very well. They built a team. Well, they, in fact, they built multiple teams around James Harden, which was your first issue, um, because then you gave him this stinkingly big contract that you know he, he wanted out of um, pretty soon. Um but for, for me, another player, actually, that is, I've seen it earlier today, is Dennis Schroeder is, is holding out on the Lakers. They offered him, like, a was it four years? Eight, 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 four million, million? Eight, four, eight, four. eight, four million or something. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's, that's a great contract for, for Schroeder. But um, to turn it down, I understand where he's coming from. He's probably looking at the, the way the league's structured just now and, like, the amount of teams that could be using his kind of services um, as a kind of starting shooting guard. He's obviously looking at it as I might not be guaranteed as the main focal point as point guard or shooting guard in this team anyway. Do I really want to stick around and earn that kind of money? He's he's opting the what's best for his legacy rather than money. That's you know fair play to him. And he, he has a he has a reputation as well. Um, 
and it's a weird one because when I hear things about Dennis Schroeder, I hear that, you know, he's not the most personable of people um, within a team. Um, and I think that for him to kind of take a step back and unselfishly say, or, or selfishly, depending on the way you look at it, so unselfishly in terms of himself, he's saying, no, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see where this lands. I'm going to see where the chips lie. Um, and then kind of selfishly, well, yeah, I'm with the Lakers, but yeah, I'm not exactly sold on sold on them. And I think there is this thing where you look at LeBron, father time is 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 creeping up, and father time is is pretty much all in a billion. So, um, as much as we all want LeBron to be like Tom Brady, and and last till he's like a hundred, I just don't think. I th- in fact, I, th- I do think that players now are starting to look at LeBron because he's had a couple of niggly injuries and they're starting to think, hmm, how long does he actually have? Yeah, this is a four-year deal. But if LeBron's done in two, what are they going to put around me after that? Well, I I don't think these these injuries, I mean, looking at his injury record, it's still stellar. You know, you can't knock the fact that he's had a, he's had a groin strain He's had obviously this this high ankle sprain just now. Like, if you say to an NBA player over the course of your 17, 18 year career, you'll have possibly a few ankle sprains and a high gro- a high groin sprain, and that'll be it. You'll miss oh, more, you no it. more than yeah, you miss no more than fifteen to twenty games in one season. That's it. Yeah, oh, you, you take, take that all day long. You take that. So, but he's getting to an age. And as much as, and I compliment him, you know, he looks after his body and he, he does, was it, hot stone yoga and, like, all this kind of stuff. And, like, I appreciate that he he looks after himself, like, with the best medicine and the best science behind it. But at the end of the day, it's still a body and it's still going to break down. And I don't think it's a massive issue right now. Um, but as he gets older is going to start these wee niggly injuries start to become bigger um, and we've seen that in the past with players that have had just as good kind of health issues they've it, it gets towards their end of their career their age starts to catch up on them and you know an injury say like a, an ankle sprain for a 40 year old is going to be different for a 22 year old 22 year old is going to bounce back depending on how bad it is, obviously. I'm just talking in general. But a 22-year-old is going to probably bounce back a lot quicker than a 40-year-old is, just because there's not as much wear and tear there. So, um, nah, I think I think Schroeder's maybe been a bit bright about this and thinking, mm, I might just see how this plays out. And there is that thing where it, when LeBron goes to teams and he leaves, there is somewhat of a... Devastation yeah, effect. A, yeah, there's like a vacuum and the whole energy of the whole place just gets sucked right out of it. Um, just ask Cleveland twice. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough and it's hard, but I, th- I think Schroeder's probably been very shrewd um, in his estimations and he's maybe just wanting to see how things play out. He may he may stay, still sign this contract. I mean, he, he may get like offered it at the end of the season still and he'll be like, you know what? I like the way things are moving. Let's let's go with it. Um, what will be interesting to see is if they do win the championship, does he sign it or does he leave? Because he's got a championship, so he's not ring chasing anymore. He's won a championship. He's got it under his belt, and he can probably command. He could maybe command more money by that point as well. So he's maybe putting himself in the shop window. So you're saying he's trying to do the the Matthew Delvadova thing of, yeah, I'm not going to sign this contract and then go to the Bucks for an extortionate fee. And be the the backup point guard to basically just clap your clap his hands on the bench. I don't know. It's a risky move. You really don't like Matthew Delvadova, do you? I love Matthew Delvadova, and I love the fact that he screwed over the Bucks royally. Oh, it was it was elegant what he did to them, like taking all that cap space away from them just for the fact that he'd won a ring and he'd you know he's a competent defender. I wouldn't say he's, he's a knockdown shooter or anything like that, but he was definitely a really good, competent defender. Not obviously what the, the Bucks needed at the time, but, you know, Milwaukee's issues of not putting shooters or Yanis have been, you know, harked on this show for quite some time. Yeah, they have. Um, so let's talk about the 
the netting of stars in GM LeBron. They're they're picking up buyouts. They picked up a couple of players. I mean, that's I mean Drummond obviously ended up in LA. Griffin ended up in in Brooklyn. Um, are we seeing two super teams being constructed? I mean, they were pretty. I mean, certainly the Nets were um, pretty stacked as it was between Durant, Harden, and Irvin when he plays. Um, but I mean, the, the Nets were already stacked, and LeBron's team are now, you know, got a decent more sorry more than a decent rebounder, um, which is what they miss when. Um, uh, Anthony Davis isn't playing so uh, are these two just building each other up for a finals meet yeah I mean it, it really does seem like it is just those memes that are flying about all over the place it's a start of civil war where you've got one team with LeBron being Iron Man and the other team with uh, Captain America being uh, James Harden and Kevin Durant um, I I personally think like I, I don't understand what Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni and the whole Nets organisation are doing, handing out contracts to Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge when they know their biggest their biggest flaw is that they don't play defence and they can't move laterally and they, they, they really struggle switching. So yeah, let's go and get some ageing guys who have shown they have no hops, they can't defend anyway and they don't offer a lot in the terms of three-point shooting floor spacing and committing to playing team basketball these guys are all iso players and you're going to get them why i don't get it because because they sell a lot of jerseys oh so you'll win the jersey race but you're not going to do much in the playoffs (laughs) i still i still hold to the fact that they might get bounced in the first round and i think it'll be hilarious if they do 100 percent, and i say this with all respect the signing of Drummond to the for the Lakers was bigger than the, the two or three guys that Brooklyn get because Drummond's rebounding is like basically the Lakers have went out and got a big piece of something that they're missing. A really good rebounder, like an elite rebounder, someone who is up in top of rebounds year after year. The Nets have just thought. Oh, we'll take him. Oh, we'll take him. Oh, we'll take him. And and they've not really, they've not filled needs like defense. Like you say, they've just not filled needs. They have signed all these kind of old guys. Lamarcus Aldridge. I mean, he's been around for for a good while. Blake Griffin. His best days were in LA. I mean, he did. He did. He, he, did, he did dunk the other day. That was his first two points in the Nets. He dunked. You know, the first time in like two years, apparently. But yeah, he dunked. Whoop. but like I just don't think I I think and and I think we see this time after time after time the Lakers have experience not just on the playing not just in the coaching but when you look at the backroom staff you look at the GM you look at the the scouting and everything else they have so much in terms of experience they knew exactly what they were after they went out and got it and they were done. There was none of this faffing about, oh, yeah, we'll take LaMarcus. Oh, yeah, we'll take Blake. I mean, there's, it just is like, those guys are available, so we're going to take them before the Lakers take them. The Lakers played it really coy. They got their guy. Yeah, you take everyone you want. May bother. Because when playoffs come round, we're going to have LeBron back, we're going to have Davis back, and we're going to have Drummond, Schroeder. We're going to have everyone back. Um and ready to play. And like you say, like how funny would it be Brooklyn go all out getting Durant, Harden, Irvin, and a really lousy supporting cast and bounced in the first round. I mean, that would be hilarious. It, it reminds me of um, back when Brooklyn went and raided the Celtics for all, for Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, etc. They, oh, they really thought that was it. You know, we went and signed everything, Darren Williams, everyone. That's it. Anyone available? Yeah, come to Brooklyn. We'll get you to the championship race. I no, you won't. Think about this. This is history repeating itself. This is exactly what this is. It's history repeating itself. And the Nets are just going... 
Um, that was really dodgy sound effects, but um, you get my point. It was a raspberry, sorry. Um, and and I think it will be history repeating itself. They're out first or second round, and they're going to go out to a really decent Miami Heat. They're going to go out to a really decent um, Milwaukee Bucks or Philadelphia. So, I yeah, I'm, I'm not sold on on what they did with buyouts. Um, I think they just went for whoever they fancied. Um, now, it, was, it had- was a case. It was a case of do you have an all star appearance? Yes. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, now, somebody hit 1,300 wins. Now, that's that's a pretty substantial amount of wins. Um, this person has had a long career, Ryan. So uh, it could only be one man. Yeah, it's the amount of wins I have over you when I'm making predictions. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And on that bombshell. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're talking about, obviously, Greg Popovich. Just, you know, um, racking up those wins. Getting to, obviously, third in in the overall standings. Um, He's got 35 more before he ties with number number one, uh, Don Nelson. Uh, I I think he should go for it. You know, there was a lot of talk of, is he going to come back next year? Um, Is his heart still in it and stuff? But if you if you watch any Spurs games, you can see he still wants he's still got that fire in him, and he really does get into his players. And he's got a great coaching staff. That one more season, I think he, he does it. I think he tops the whole list. So uh, obviously, in terms of long term or long time coaching at, at one organization, um, he's he's up there. Jerry Sloan's up there, um, and. I see Steve Kerr being with the Warriors for a long time. Um, I think he is the next kind of evolution uh, of a Greg Popovich. Uh, I I love Popovich. And I think the day he retires, the NBA is going to lose. Like, I think the Spurs need to find him a job. He he still needs to be in the NBA. He needs to be somewhere. You'll have have the, the Pat Riley job. You know, he'll have that in, in the kind of Spurs organisation. He'll just be overseeing. He'll be at all the games and he'll make oh, yeah. sure that Be- that Becky does does right by the Spurs and stuff. So Yeah. But I do not get this thing, though, where, like, Becky takes over. Because for me, she does. There's, there's just no question to that. Becky takes over uh, when he retires. But I don't think, see, for the first season, I don't think he's there. Because I think he wants, he doesn't want to her to think, and and this is regardless of whether she's a woman or not. If this was Tim Duncan taking over the team, I think the same would happen. For the first season, he stays away, and because he doesn't want to have his shadow over them, if that makes sense. Um, and I, so I actually think he stays away. I think he's involved with the Spurs in the back room, and I think president of basketball operations or you know we get some kind of laddie da title like that um and he'll, he'll do some good there but i think for the first year in terms of being in the arena he'll maybe be there for like special occasions and stuff but i i think game to game i think he he takes a year out and lets the co- the new coaching staff the new regime if you like take over oh yeah definitely like um I, I was kind of more referring to him obviously being at games, not helping her, but like kind of seeing how she's doing. She wouldn't be like this kind of overpowering, uh, you know, presence. He'd be, you know, curious would, to find out. Like if he's sitting in the stands, I'm sorry, because I remember when Jerry Sloan would go to, to jazz games, they would show him in the stands all the time because he's a legend it's the exact same for Greg Popovich. He's a legend. And I think if he takes that year away, lets the coaching staff kind of build their own momentum and their own team and, and get into it, and then comes back and watches, sits in the stands and watches games. Like, fair enough, he might sit in a skybox or something where the cameras can't get in to see him. And that's fair enough. Because as soon as those fans clap eyes on Greg Popovich, they're no longer looking at the team. They're no longer looking at the coaching staff. They're looking at Greg because he is their guy and has been their guy for like ever. So you're trying to tell me that Greg Popovich won't have the same ability as like an Eddie Murphy style 
nutty professor where he'll put on loads of makeup and then suddenly be a totally different guy in the audience. Nah, I, I think he could possibly do that. That would be that would be quite funny to kind of see um, Greg Poffert just reveal himself at the end of the games like, I was here all along. <laughs> nah, nah I, I think in a skybox, I think he can be himself. I don't think he has to, to put on makeup <laughs> to, to hide. Um, but I, I just, I, I would worry for the new Kenny regime because what we did see in Utah is Ty Corbin um, had Jerry Sloan like 10 rows back watching over him and I think Ty Corbin was a decent coach and I think that just didn't bode well and I think it never does when a coach has been somewhere for so long and then all of a sudden they retire or you know whatever happens they, they move on and then you get a new person and it's, it's I mean even if we refer it to soccer when Alex Ferguson retired he was at Manchester United for what 23 24 years and they brought in a really, really competent coach um, who had done really well at a, a lesser team, but he had built them up and kept them consistent and everything else. And that's what got him the job at Manchester United after Alex Ferguson left or retired. And he was gone after a season because Alex Ferguson was sitting there. There was a stand across from where the new manager stood that was the Sir Alex Ferguson stand. And I think... Casting a, such a big shadow as Greg Popovich would, I think, I, I just don't think it'd be a positive. I think it's good for the fans because they get to see them, but I, I just don't think it's good for the, the new coaches, or not the new coaches, but the, the coaches that kind of take over and, and steady the ship. I think they need to make their own mark. So having him there isn't, isn't necessarily going to be beneficial. Great that he's there and he can offer advice and whatever else, but I think he's there in the background where the one can really see him. Yeah, I can't believe you just kind of compared Becky Hammond to David Moyes. That's a travesty. No, it really is. I, for, no, for those, I wasn't those... comparing the two. I wasn't comparing the two. I was just saying the situations were similar. David, what, David for those those people who are not interested in football, David Moyes was, is a terrible manager. Terrible, terrible was, manager. He actually he, had to leave the country. It was that bad. He yeah, bought Marlo in Fellaini. I mean, it wasn't when he was at Everton. He was a good manager when he was at Everton. It was yes, a small, a... small club. Small club-minded. Small club, Everton. Anyway, <laughs> we digress. <laughs> um, but no, I think I was kind of more of the comparison was Ty Corbin to, to David Moyes. Because um, <laughs> he only lasted a year as well. Um, and then you get a, a, the second guy that comes in, you get Quinn Snyder, and he does very well. But what I don't want to see happen is and, and this is my overarching point is I want Becky Hammond to run the team without looking over her shoulder. And I want her to to have full control. Um probably not the whole GM thing and everything else, but just to be the head coach, run that team. She is an awesome coach and she will and I think I think for years the coaches that you've seen run through San Antonio, you've always thought that guy could take over from Pop when he when he retires. And I think Becky for a long time now has been that kind of person that you've thought, when he retires, that's who's taken over. Um, and obviously she she did go for jobs elsewhere. She applied for the Milwaukee job when Budenhoser got it. Um, she didn't get it. And, you know, she just kind of like, I'll move on. I'll keep going, keep going with the Spurs. And I think it's worked very well. Definitely. Um, so, more shutdowns and waves. Um, so, what's shutting down and who's getting waved? So, obviously, we had the news out of OKC there that Al Horford is no longer playing for OKC the whole rest of the season, which is, you know, fair enough to um, your guys down there in Oklahoma. You know, having that many picks, they're looking to see who they're going to keep around from their youngsters and who they're going to ship off for even more picks. Um, so having Al Horford there, I always thought it was going to be a strange one. It was either going to be one or two ways for OKC this season. It was either they were going to make the playoffs, but in a really low slot, or they were just going to say, screw it, let's play all your young guys and let's see what they've got. And I'm glad that they've now decided, yeah, let's play the young guys. They, they, need, they need core experience. A lot of these guys were either fringe players on other teams, 
or they didn't really have the full confidence in the other organisations back in. So it's good to see some of these guys get some proper minutes. And they're putting up some not bad results. You know, they're not winning a whole lot of games, but they're they're showing off how good they could possibly become. Yeah. Um, the Horford thing, I've always been a fan of Horford, I think. Um, when he was at Atlanta, he's a solid player. Um, when he was at Boston, he was okay. Um, but in OKC, I don't think... I think he's... He's now got to that kind of level where he's a good mentor, and I think he's good for the young players. Um, I'm kind of gutted that, you know, he's pretty much not going to be playing. Um, but I think, I think you're right. I think the organisation have to kind of start to think about moving on, much like the the Orlando Magic have. But I think the Oklahoma City Thunder have done it a much better way because they have such an abundance of young talent and a lot of picks coming through. So. For me, I, I gutted for Al Horford because I'm, I'm a big fan. But at the same time, I think the organisation have to do best what's for the organisation. Um, and yeah, it, it's sad, but it's just a fact of life. And I think Horford will still find a team next season. I don't think that team will be OKC. I think he'll probably find himself, like you say, there'll probably be another couple of picks coming there. What's it? 17 picks they've got just now. And they've over the got next, like four years or se- something. Seven, yeah, they've got something like was it thirty four picks over the next seven years? Jeez. So it's pretty much five a year. It's just insane. So yeah, they can pretty much like pick up whoever they want. Now, the the hard part is actually picking good players because if you can pick someone at twenty nine who becomes a defensive player of the year, or you pick someone who's thirteenth and they become like an outstanding player right off the bat, then that's fine and fair enough. But if you do what they, <laughs> if you do what Boston did, and you pick, yeah, you pick up two players that are decent in the draft, but everything else has been a bust ever since. Then um, you definitely don't want to be going down that route. Um, what we'll do then is we will take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back after this. So by now, you'll have seen our website, atpsports.net. You gotta admit, it's pretty awesome. It was brought to you by the team at Data Squared. You can find them on the web at datasq2.co.uk. They're dedicated to bringing the very best in website design with hosting and security. Their aim is to provide you with the very best package you need to help spread the word about your business. Data Squared will design and build a website for you. And they'll build it not just for desktop, but for all devices so you can be seen on the move. Data Squared will help you choose your domain, making sure it's relevant to you and your business. And they'll open up an online store for you. They have the tools so you can keep track of customers, their orders, stock, and much, much more. So why not expand your business online today? with Data Squared. Visit datasq2.co.uk. Okay, so we're back. Now, um, one player who has been nicknamed Mr. Triple Double um, is Russell Westbrook. Um, and he logged a 30, 10, and 20 Triple Double. Um, that, that's pretty elite. Um, I mean, Russ's numbers have always been pretty elite. Um, but this this just takes the biscuit, doesn't it? I mean, who's he playing with? He's playing with Rui Hachimura, one of Bradley Beal's legs, and what you've got, Mo Wagner's not even there anymore, so who's their centre? Their centre's Robin Lopez, you know, the side yeah. Bob of Lopez brothers. He's not getting rebounds, so obviously Russ is going to put, put up some crazy, crazy high numbers. Um What's more interesting in some of his more recent triple doubles is he shooting is actually much improved. At the start of the season, he was you know scraping uh, the triple doubles uh, and you know shooting some like less than twenty percent from three, which is the, you know typical Russ. Oh, I've missed my last eight. I might as well just keep shooting until you know I make it into double digits. Why not? Why not? No one else in the team shooting. Um, but yeah, he, he he does get a lot of stats, a lot of counting stats, but. As a lot of people have pointed out, a lot of them are very empty because they don't always route in wins. That is true. And I think I think he was a big frustration. He, he became a big frustration um in OKC because I think I think even the fans were like, right, it's great you hit a triple double, but you know, we still lost the damn game. So, you know, 
if you want to maybe pick yourself up, win a game and, and involve the rest of your team, that'd be awesome. Um, Andre Drummond is going to start this Wednesday for the Lakers. He's going to make his Lakers debut. He's not played for a while because obviously um, he was... He wasn't even benched. He was. He wasn't even he was, dressed. He was. He games. was banished. Banished yeah. from the Cleveland locker room. Yeah, he was. He was told basically, "There's the door. Make sure it doesn't hit your ass on the way out." Um, but he's going to make his his debut for the Lakers, and um, that's got to be good news for them. Obviously, injury issues and and stuff like that. So he can maybe help to steady that ship and get into that lineup. Um, and big news coming out of Utah. Huge news. Uh, it's absolutely massive. Donovan Mitchell is going to speak at the University of Utah commencement. Um, so he's going to give the keynote address to the 2021 ceremony uh, for graduates. So it's a great thing. And I think it shows that, and I've always said this, Donovan Mitchell is, you know what? See, when he retires, he's going to be a politician because the way that he goes about, like just how mature he is, um, and the way he goes about things, um, he gets asked to do these kind of things all the time. And I think this is just another kind of, it's not all about basketball, if that makes sense. Like, it's great that he's a great basketball player and he's doing great for the Utah Jazz and it's great for the franchise and everything else. But if you look outside of basketball, um, I think what he does outside off the court is actually just as important to the state of Utah and for the game of basketball uh, off the court, I think is really good. And I think this just highlights, again, something that um, not many players get asked to give commencement speeches and stuff. So I think this is this is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, going to be a great kind of string in his bow. As you're saying, um, becoming a politician, possibly later in life. Yeah, I could, I could kind of see that, especially because, obviously, he's quite well known for making excuses. You know, oh, I don't want rookie of the year because this guy, this guy shouldn't be rookie anyway, etc., etc., etc. I was definitely the best player that year, so, youngest player that year. I would like to state that Donovan Mitchell did not say that. I did <laughs> <laughs> with your red shirt rookie uh, Ben Simmons. But anyway, did we'll he move not, on. Did he? Did, did he not? Did he? Did, did he not wear a t-shirt or something like that, slagging off the fact that Simmons won rookie of the year though, and it no, was a no, whole big no, farce? No, no, it was before. It was announced. It was before. He was he already was, blaming before he'd lost. No, no, he wasn't blaming. Perfect, perfect, he was, perfect politician. Perfect he was, politician. He was trying to highlight the fact that he was an actual rookie, um, <laughs> unlike some who'd already had a year in the league. Um, defensive player of the year. Now, defensive player of the year um, has been won previously by Giannis um, and Rudy Gobert. Uh, Miles Turner is apparently making a run at it. Um, I'm I'm not a big. I, I like Miles Turner. I think he's a decent player. I but I don't think he's Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Do you? He gets a lot of blocks. I mean, is that what we're counting now as the best defensive stat ever? Because other than that, he's you know he he deflects a lot of shots. He um he doesn't get he doesn't really switch very well onto guards you know he blocks them at the rim quite a lot and stuff but he's not the prototypical guy who you would say is yeah lights out defensive player um but i think what has made it more of a focus of his game this year is he's not shooting very well and he's not getting a lot of shots anyway in the indiana especially all the the guards and stuff that they added so maybe that maybe he's trying to or the organization try to big that up for themselves for the fact that he's had a bit of a down year. So I have a look at the top five that the NBA have listed. Number five is Giannis, which is, is probably no surprise. Um, number four, this one did surprise me, is DJ McConnell. Um, because I don't, I, I just don't think of him as a, a big um, defensive guy. He is, but like you just, you don't realise he's actually putting up the numbers he's putting up until you actually see it in black and white. Um, and he's doing really well because on this, they're kind of looking at deflections as well as steals. Um, so they're not just kind of looking at rebounds and stuff and blocks. Um, ben Simmons is number three. And your, your boy, Miles Turner, he's number two. And then my man, Rudy Gobert, 
um, sits at the top of the ladder. Um, although I would say, although Rudy Gobert does a great job, I think this year he's had a lot of help. Royce O'Neal has been really, really good defensively. Mike Conley has is, is, is added a lot from the point guard position defensively. And obviously we had Derek Favors return um, from New Orleans. So um, I think he's had a lot of help and I think a lot of pressure has been taken off him. So he can go out and kind of have SWAT City games or Stifle Tower games or whatever you want to call them. Um, because he is another player that puts up a hell of a lot of blocks. Um, and he's done it consistently year after year. I mean, that is something that he is consistent for. His rebounding is obviously another thing that's very consistent uh, year in, year out. But would you agree with that top five, or is there anyone that you would change? I'm I'm surprised um, that Joel Embiid isn't in there over Ben Simmons. I think with the time that Simmons has missed this year mm-hmm. and the fact that Embiid's really turned on his defensive game this year when he's needed to, he's maybe not the most consistent defender on the Sixers, but he's definitely, it seems to be the most focused and the most locked in at times. Do you want to know what will make you cry? He doesn't even make the top 10. Um, another 76ers player does, and I bet you can't guess Bias it. Ours. Nope. Matisse oh, Thibault. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he's he's kind of made it in there. Um, All just the skills to, he gets. Yeah, just to round it out, you've got Red Van Fleet, Chris Paul, Jacob Pottle, and Josh Hart. Um, so they kind of round out the top 10 um, on the NBA website. Um, so the playoffs, as we mentioned right at the top of the show, we're in that kind of part of the season where it's kind of, you know, you just want the playoffs to start now because, you know, it's been a long season, although it's in a normal year, um, it would have been longer. Um, we'll have a look at Eastern Conference first. Um, the top six teams, uh, in fact, no, sorry, top five teams in the East have winning records. Um, so you've got Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Charlotte, New York. Now, of the teams there, there's two that, I'm surprised they're quite that high. Is there anyone that stands out to you that is, you're like, wow, they're that high? New York, obviously. Um, I'm surprised yeah. that Tom's, you know, got that much health out of his players. Um, obviously, uh, Mitch Robson came back the other night. He's now got a broken foot, so he's now out indefinitely. Um, so, <laughs> just getting a centre back. And never mind, we've got Tal Gibson. He'll play. He'll play all the seven minutes. Totally fine. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm not really that surprised that they're these guys are in the playoffs. I'm more surprised at the kind of positions they are. But if you're really looking at the positions from fourth down to ninth, you know you're you're talking about one game pretty much of yeah. a difference. There's not a lot between these teams. I think was it Charlotte and and New York are eight and a half games back. Indiana are ten and a half, so it's two two games. It's is is quite tight. Um, at the moment, the only kind of big streak that anyone's on in the Eastern Conference is the Bulls, who are on a four game losing streak. Um, I guess while they're getting Vucevic acclimatized to Chicago and the cold weather, um, it's taken a bit of time for him to warm up. Um, it's in the, in the in the windy city, but um, one team that I'm surprised aren't doing better is Miami. I thought they would be, I thought they would pretty much be where New York is. I know they've had some injury issues and, you know, they've had some shooting issues and stuff, but I, I don't know. I just, I just, I kind of hope they'd be a bit higher. As, as I said, it's, it's literally one game. One game goes their way. They're higher than New York and where Hornet, the Hornets are just now. So I'm not, I, I don't have worries about where Miami's going to finish. I think they're going to easily be around the kind of fifth or sixth seed. They shouldn't be involved in these playing games. They've got too good a squad. Um, it will all be up to how healthy Jimmy, Tyler, Goran, Bam, etc. can all be at F. Uh, Duncan Robinson can find where the rim is again from three. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. And I think, for me, I think, sadly, we see the Toronto Raptors two games out from the play-in games just now. Um, I think the rest of the teams at the bottom of the East 
are pretty much who I would have expected. Wizards, Cavs, Magic and Pistons. That they're, they're not big shocks to me. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with the East, actually. I think out of the East, Philly being top. I think if you're a Brooklyn fan, you've just spent a ton of money on all these players. I think you're hoping that you're top, but they're not. Um, Milwaukee, they need to find a bit more consistency. They've lost their last three games. Um, do, you, do, you know, do you know who is? Do you know? Do you know who is absolutely balling out the night for Milwaukee? Thanis. Did you see him? He was. He had a couple of threes. Had a couple of. I think he had a block. A couple of dunks. He's looking pretty good. They need to give him more minutes. Well, maybe they need to work on their rotations. Um, we'll head over to the West. The West. Now, I mentioned um, when, on the East that the top five teams have winning records um, in the East. Um, in the West, it's the top eight teams that have winning records. Um, you go all the way down to the San Antonio Spurs. Um the biggest streaks are both win streaks, and it's for two teams. Um, the Clippers have a six-win game streak, as do the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz, before the All-Star weekend, had a bit of a stumble. and They lost a couple of games in a row and stuff. But after All-Star weekend, they seem to have found their feet again. Um, and I've just kind of bashed on. There's three and a half games back are the Phoenix Suns. Um, they, they've been a surprise for me, because as much as I thought... Chris Paul would have an impact in that team. Um, they've actually done really, really well. Um, I mean, they're ahead of both the Clippers and the Lakers, which is awesome. Um, another team that I thought would be doing better was the Nuggets. Um, apart from that, though, in terms of like who's in the play-in games, um, there's no kind of big shock to me there. And same for kind of bottom of the league, Kings, Pelicans, well, I did think the Pelicans would be in the kind of playing kind of range, um, but they seem to be a couple of games back out of that. But everyone else, like the Rockets and Timberwolves, I didn't think would be much um, in there. Is there any big shocks in the standings at the moment, and do you see any kind of big movements? I mean, I I said the Suns at the start of the season. Um, Chris Paul doesn't miss playoffs. He's just, you know, perennial in the playoffs, and he's just, he's the right type of guy to lead that Suns team yeah, and the fact that he's he's now got you know pieces around them where they're shooters they're real good shooters and see, he doesn't need to do as much offensively so see I don't think it's about having pieces around him I think he's a good piece for Booker rather than the other way around oh I I think I I definitely think it's it's pieces around him mainly for the fact that um when they started the season, they were literally just trying to give Booker all the shots he wanted. And it didn't pan out because the numbers went way down and his assists were just non-existent. But they've been they've now... since he, he, he was drafted. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. He was, different. His assists were not bad up until the start of this year. He, he you know, he was, he was doing all right. He obviously wasn't a point guard. He was always a shooting guard. But this year, they started with him at, definitely at the two and Chris Paul being at his point guard. And I think... With the fact that you know they've they've now said, look, we'll get you into open spots, Booker. You knock them down. You let Chris set everything up, and then you do things from there. It's definitely working out better, and it's actually what it's unlocked. And a lot of people won't probably talk about this. Is DeAndre Ayton has had like four or five real good games. Now I'm pretty sure at the start of the season we were saying he's not the right center for that organization, and he's you know he's turned it around. I think really we both has. agreed on that at the beginning of the season as well, because I was kind of like, don't really know what value he kind of offers this team. Yeah, I mean, the Nuggets, I understand where you're coming from, where you're saying that you expect them to be higher, but you got to remember, they lost a lot of depth in their bench. Getting Aaron Gordon, they'll work their way back up there. I wouldn't put it out past them that they might pop past the Clippers at some point. It's a, it's a long way off, but it could possibly happen. They've got a definitely a more well-rounded squad than the Clippers are just now. Uh, and looking down the rest of the list, the only team that I think could possibly get into those kind of play-in games is the Pelicans. Yeah. Um, they're on a real good kind of streak just now. And uh, I think some of their dodgy games have came from playing too many minutes of Eric Bledsoe. They've now decided that Eric Bledsoe is not the right point guard for them. And they're, you know, moving 
away from him and given more minutes to Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And um, when Lonzo's back, you know, I think you'll see them really kind of rock off and start catching up in the likes of the Grizz and the Warriors and the Spurs, etc. Yeah, I mean, that's another team that's actually done quite well as the Grizzlies. I think they're definitely good value for for ninth place, 22 and 22 just now. Um, the Kings are actually on a five-game win streak, which... At, Doesn't matter. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> it's not real. At, it's not real. No, no, it absolutely bemuses me <laughs> how they've managed that. Um, but it is that time of the season where kind of some teams take their foot off the gas because they're kind of, they're jostling for position um, for home court. And obviously this year, we're not going to be in a bubble. So there is going to be home court and there is going to be fans. Um, which is even better, um, and especially with vaccines and everything getting rolled out. Hopefully, come playoff time, we could maybe not have full stadiums, but um, we could start to see stadiums being a bit more, a bit more full, a bit more lively, yeah, a bit more, yeah, a bit more lively. And for some stadiums, actually, just to have fans because some still don't because um, of statewide rules and stuff. But last thing. Who from the West and East are going to make the finals? Judging on how this playoff would, if, if the playoffs were today, um, we're starting today, it was this, uh, say, whoever's eighth, go with eighth. Um, who's going to make those finals? Are we saying everyone's healthy or are we saying who everyone's their squads healthy. are right now? Okay, well, Lakers and Philadelphia. Not Brooklyn. Not Brooklyn. Not Brooklyn. I, I'm tempted to put Miami or Indiana in front of Philly, but I think Philly just have a bit too much right now. Ah, okay. I get you. I get you. Do you, awesome. do you think do you think net do you think the Nets will get there? Fully fit. Um I I think I think they squeak it, but I don't think it's easy. And I think they get absolutely wasted in the finals. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I just It'll don't be think interesting. they have the depth as, as some no. of the teams in the West. It'll be interesting to see how they decide to run playoff minutes. That's that's my my the one thing I want to come out the next maybe three or four weeks is I want to see their full team. I want to see them play against another good team and see what they can actually do. Both teams go at it because right now we, we've not seen that the whole year. No team has went at Brooklyn and decided, yeah, we're a good team, you're a good team. Let's battle out. The closest we came to that was was those Atlanta games where they both went to overtime and they, they you know they were like 198 to 196. That's the closest we came to those kind of like actually testing games over for Brooklyn. So, so you can watch um, Saturday, April 10th. The Nets are playing the Lakers, and it's live on Sky Sports. So anyone that doesn't have league pass and has Sky Sports can watch it there. That's their, that's their next big test. So you think LeBron or AD is going back by then? Not gonna. I, I, I'm actually questioning if LeBron and AD will be back before Kevin Durant just now because I don't know if you heard. Kevin Durant's out at least one more week. Yeah, yeah. What's, yeah, what what is going on there? It. Yeah, they keep yeah. extending it. But we shall leave it there. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Ryan. Um, another awesome show, and we will be back again next week. No worries. See you guys. You've been listening to Across the Pond Sports Podcast, part of Across the Pond Sports Network. Keep checking back for more episodes. Sports Social Podcast Network.